today on the Rising Coaches Podcast. Um, we're helping with their overall process of finding the best fit for them. So I think strategy is big, but but I also think understanding uh, kind of the equation that wins in, in any particular conference and, and then looking at kind of what works in that conference and, and you know, setting course. Thanks for listening to the Rising Coaches Podcast. This is Adam Gordon. And today's episode is a special edition of our Members Spotlight. Each week, we select four members to be spotlighted and get to know a little bit more about them, what makes them tick, how they got into the profession, and what their career aspirations are. As the saying goes, it's not about who you know in this profession, it's about who knows you. To be considered for our member spotlight, simply join Rising Coaches. Visit risingcoaches.com and sign up for a membership today. All of our members get an opportunity to participate on the member spotlight. So please consider signing up so that we can get a chance to get to know you a little bit better. We hope you enjoy today's episode and please follow along with what we're doing on risingcoaches.com. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Rising Coaches Association, the biggest coaching tree in all of basketball. Sign up for the Rising Coaches Association now for just $120 a year and become part of our community relationships, and development. We talk about it all the time. There's no straight lines in this profession. There's only ups and downs. You need a community that knows exactly what you're going through and has been there before to help lean on during the rough times of the industry. You need genuine relationships, not just exchanging numbers, not just meeting new people uh, at the Final Four in the off season. You should be doing it all year round, and we provide tremendous opportunities to create those genuine relationships all through the year. And finally, development. We have so much content and so many resources so that you can work on your craft and become a better coach. Because we put such a premium and an emphasis on helping you establish new, genuine relationships, it takes all of the political BS side of the business out of the equation for you. All of that gets removed off of your plate. You can just worry about being you, making new friends in the business, and working on your craft and becoming the best coach that you can be and impacting the people that you're around on a daily basis. For more information, visit risingcoaches.com slash membership on risingcoaches.com. All right, welcome to another edition of the Rising Coaches Member Spotlight presented by Dr. Dish. Um, today, we're joined by Pepperdine Assistant Coach Brian Rosario. Brian, what's up? How are you? I'm doing I mean, good. Yeah, yeah. Good to see you. Yeah early out here, but it's all good. I'm still in daddy mode, you know, getting the kids ready. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate you getting up early for us. So I guess you're probably get you up early. So, yeah, I mean, I, I've been up, you know, it's just getting them going and, and, you know, food and clothes and everything else. So how many, all, kids do you have? how many kids do you have, Brian? I have two boys. I'm a boy dad. So one, uh, Luciano, our oldest is, is just over three. And then our youngest Florencio has just turned one. Oh, so. You got your hands full. I've yeah, got, I've got one that's two, almost three, two and a half, almost three. So, him so alone, we're, a handful. Yeah, we're we're there together then, right? <laughs> yeah, no question. Yeah, um, I'm just a little later in the day, so he's already at school, so I could take a deep breath. Yeah, you're you're in good you're in good hands for the next uh, couple hours, then, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, Brian, um, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Give us, you know, some of your background, where you're from. Uh, how you got into basketball and ultimately coaching? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I'm a West Coast kid. I, I was born and raised in Oxnard, California, um, played basketball, played for, uh, at the time, the winningest coach in California history. So basketball was always the thing, you know. I mean, it, it was one of those um, sports that I just gravitated towards. Uh, I was a Laker fan, uh, Showtime era. I'm dating myself a little bit. Um, so I just, I, I love just the nuances of the game, how fast it was and exciting. And, you know, when I was in high school, you know, getting into college at the University of San Diego, uh, I met Maggie Dixon, uh, which I'm sure many of us know. And, and obviously we lost too early. Um, you know, she approached me uh, freshman year on a boat during orientation week, like, hey, we need practice players. Have you ever thought about being one? And, and I'm thinking, no, I haven't. You know, so that was kind of my start. And uh, Kathy Marpy, who was the head coach there, allowed me to be a practice player for a few years, uh, introduced me to a former assistant of hers who was coaching Melissa Barker, who was coaching in San Diego High School. So I, I became her assistant and I just fell in love. So I I, I knew this was what I wanted to do at, at that point and, uh, you know, coached all over the country. Uh, I've been very fortunate, uh, coached in Louisiana at, at McNeese State, Cumberland in Kentucky, Cornell in New York, and then uh, was able to get back kind of in the league at the West Coast Conference coaching at Loyola Marymount. And so since then, met met a girl, um, followed her to Indiana, was able to coach youth and, and club uh, in Indiana, and then became a head coach at Chandler Gilbert in Arizona uh, before having the opportunity to get back into the league uh, under Kristen Dowling, who uh, took over last summer. So I mean, I, I'm enjoying it. You know, as we all know, I mean, it, it's your journey and it's your story. And, and I've been fortunate that I was, I've been able to coach at a lot of just different institutions, but also just different regions of the country. And now you're at Pepperdine, the the most beautiful campus maybe in the country. Right. You, you can't be mad getting to work. Right. Like I, I live in the valley. I, I live in Burbank. So driving through the through the canyon and, and then the first moment you see ocean, you're like, yeah, I'm going to have a good day. You know? <laughs> it's really hard to have bad days here. If anyone doesn't know what we're talking about, you got to Google Pepperdine right now. And I'm sure the first image that pops up will be the school right on the Pacific Ocean. Right. Uh, it's really beautiful. So we got a lot of connections, man. I grew up, uh, my mom lives in Moore Park. I grew up in Westlake. We used to go to the Oxnard Strawberry Festival all the time. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and then you coached at Chandler Gilbert, which is uh, Steve. You said, you know, Steve Silsby then, right? Yeah, Steve, Steve was great for me. I mean, obviously he was, I think, in his second or third season when I was hired. So he he gave me the lay of the land. I, I don't know if I could have done it without him in the sense of just understanding uh, the grind. I mean, the ACCAC was a grind. I mean, it, it's 12 strong teams. We, we played division one and division two. So there's really no night off. And, and he was just a huge help in trying to turn, turn around that program. Can you talk a little bit about um, your time? You met your wife, you guys moved to Indiana and you sounds like you took a step back from college basketball um, to focus on your family, right? Yeah. So how was that? Like, how was that decision? How was that year or however long it was? Um, well, I, so in, in 2012, um, our head coach wasn't uh, retained at Loyola Marymount. So it was kind of the push that, you know, no one, no one wants, I mean, we don't want that. Right. And, and I remember I was at the final four and, and we, we heard news that, you know, our, our associate head coach was not hired um, so it was almost like a firing situation where, where the vision and, and just what we were trying to build up to didn't happen. And, and so 
I wanted to dabble outside just to, I had other interests. So I, I spent some time out of the game, but when my uh, girlfriend at the time, but, but, you know, it ended up working out the whole move. But uh, when, when she took us to Indiana, uh, a father of a, of a player that committed to us at Loyola Marymount was like, Hey, do you want to get back into coaching? And I was like, well, I don't know. I'm kind of dabbling and I'm doing some other stuff. And, and, you know, he was like, well, what about club? And I'm thinking, man, like to show up at the gym and just coach and then go eat. And like, you didn't have to stay at the gym for 12 hours, you know, things like that. I'm thinking like, yeah, that's let's, let's do this. And so I had the opportunity to coach um, uh, Dominique McBride, who, who started at Purdue and then transferred to Arizona, Ali Patberg, who's obviously at Indiana having a great year, uh, you know, so that uh, Jenna Allen, who graduated from Michigan State. So that that was my first taste of Indiana basketball. And so it, for me, it was just a refreshing time and probably something I needed um, because I think we get into the grind and the minutia of, you know, the routine of, of college coaching. So it was just a it was really refreshing to work with players who had aspirations to play at the next level. I felt like I could bring value to that. And and Ron Patberg, who was the head coach and, and Damon Bailey, who was also coaching the lower um T really allowed me to come in and, and help those those players. Hey, Brian, I'm understanding that we have some technical difficulties, but we're going to keep rolling. Uh, so we're having some Periscope issues, but we're live mm-hmm. on YouTube. So if you're having issues, jump over to our YouTube page or Facebook Live. Um, Brian, talk about uh, then the head JUCO job. Like, what was that like after after, you know, being an assistant role, I guess you had a chance to be a head coach at the club level and youth level, but then you get a JUCO program. What's that like? And how did you kind of manage that transition? Yeah. Well, it, you know, when, when, again, my, my wife had an opportunity in Indiana and, and, or Arizona. And so when we got there, I, I saw that position open and I'm thinking, well, let me just give it a shot. Cause I, I know it's tough, right? Like you're, you're moving into a state, no one really knows you. And so it's really the body of work that you're like, okay, well, here, is it good enough uh, type of thing? And, and uh, you know, I, I think, you know, taking over a program that historically wasn't winning. I mean, they had two good seasons where they won the championship, but it was about close, close to eight, nine years that, that they just weren't winning games. And, and so for me, it was an experiment. Um, I, I wanted to go in and, and see if I can create something uh, that that resembled what I was used to. And, and I hate doing levels, right, D1 and, and JUCO. To me, it's just college college basketball, and you're trying to create a college environment where you're infusing uh, kind of the lessons and, and the teachings for these young adults and, and obviously coaching women. Um, you know, it, it, it's giving them the, the empowerment to become. Right. And, and and I took it as a challenge and just a great opportunity. Um, our, our first year, we didn't win a game. We were we were 0 and 29. And and I think that right there allows you to really sit back and think, well, how how bad do you want to create this environment? You know, in terms of those philosophies and over a three year period, we were able to turn turn that program around. I mean, we, we were nationally ranked for the first time in about a decade. We, we made the playoffs with, with a winning record. Uh, close to that time as well. And, and, you know, I, I called it the experiment because I was really just trying to find out, you know, what is the rhythm of recruiting? What is the rhythm of development? What is the rhythm of, of really allowing myself to be an advocate for players who are still in the recruiting process 
Um, so to be able to move them on to the next level was was really an, a, a unique perspective that at the four year, you know, you just don't get. And now a quick break to talk about our partners at Dr. Dish. As off-season approaches, it's the perfect time to upgrade your training equipment. At Rising Coaches, we highly recommend you to check out our friends at Dr. Dish Basketball. They are undoubtedly the best and most innovative training machines. Their newest model for schools, the Dr. Dish CT, is a complete game changer. It has a touchscreen that plays training videos, tracks stats by location, and incorporates on-demand workouts and drills from the top programs and trainers in the world. Check them out at drdishbasketball.com or on social media at drdishbball. Mention Rising Coaches before you purchase and receive an additional $300 off your next order. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about recruiting because um, you've you've been a great recruiter your whole career. And obviously it's, you know, as an assistant, probably, if not your most important job right there at the top. Um, so talk a little bit about like, you know, where you found success, some of the the lessons you've learned and, and kind of your approach to recruiting in general. Yeah, I, I think it started early in my career. You know, when you get into this, you know, I, I a mentor told me, you know, you got to recruit, you got to develop and, and you got to have a, a good understanding of X's and O's. And, and, and they said, you know, just pick two of the three. Well, I was a shy guy, right? Like recruiting to me was not a thing, um, but the strategy piece was. And, and so when I was at Cumberland, you know, we, we were losing recruits to Campbellsville and, and Georgetown. And so what we did was we went out of the state and, and we, we took the talent from Missouri, from Ohio, from California, from Louisiana, and we built it up. And, and what I think it taught me was sometimes you have to go out of the box a little bit to then create the, the uh, philosophies for that conference. Uh, at, at Cornell, we decided, you know, we kind of drew a line north and south through Ithaca and we weren't going to recruit east of it because everyone knew the difference between the Harvards, the Princetons, the Yales and, and whatnot. So we went west. We went into Chicago, into Texas and ended up having good success where that team, those core players ended up winning the Ivy uh, League. And, and so, you know, learning, I think, from Lynn Flanagan and Julia Wilhoyd at, at Loyola Marymount of understanding how you know, you can target players early. And if you build a relationship, obviously the P5s have, have a different resource. Um, but but in the end, it is about, you know, building relationships and being as relational as you can without the fluff. I mean, we're, we're, we're sales, right? We're, we're selling a vision. We're selling an experience. We're selling uh, these families a, a unique um, time during a four-year period. But, but I have found that just if you can be honest with players and, and really be upfront with families as to what our need is, where their daughter fills it or where they're lacking, um, it helps with their with their process. You know, whether it was Pepperdine or not, um, we're helping with their overall process of finding the best fit for them. So I think strategy is big, but but I also think understanding uh, kind of the equation that wins in, in any particular conference and, and then looking at kind of what works in that conference and, and, you know, setting course. Yeah, that's a great way to look at it. I think most of the time, at least in my experience, when I was recruiting, you know, I'm so caught up in like how, how we're serving our need as a program and can we get this kid? And you, you really don't, I, I love your approach of looking at it from the kid's perspective. You're win or lose, get the recruit or not, you're helping them with their overall process, which, you know, probably helps give you, 
the freedom to not be like stressed out and tense on those calls and like we got to get them and, uh, and, and just be yourself, which is probably the only way to build a true relationship, right? Well, and, and I think it came from, you know, the time being a youth and, and club coach. Honestly, because I mean, I'm I'm hearing it from their their parents as to what's important to parents, what's important to players, and and each parent, right? Dad and mom have different needs and and kind of uh, worries uh, about about a decision, and so that's where it started uh, in terms of just asking certain questions uh, to those parents, and then when and that was part of the experiment being a, a junior college coach is, you know, I was very quick to say yes to a player because I believed in the system. That and, and, and all the processes that we were putting together. Um, so it, it was almost one of those things that like if you find the player and they might not be ranked, it, but if you find the player and the family that align with the locker room, I think that's when the magic happens, because then it, it's a like mindedness that is then flowing onto the court where you can do anything then with, with that player, you, you can develop them, you can keep them engaged. You can, you don't have to motivate. You, you're just inspiring them to, to stay with their long-term vision. So I, I think it's a great perspective to be able to coach different levels and, and different needs and, and, and understanding it because, you know, in the end it is about them. I mean that, you know, like the, our product is them graduating technically. Right. And so what experience do we want to put them through while they are moving towards graduation. Well, that's going to be a competitive nature, but a, but a loving environment where, you know, we're wanting them to, uh, to, to reach their aspirations. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, and how is like the building process at Pepperdine been? I know the West Coast Conference is, is a tough league, very competitive. Um, how has it been so far going into what, year two, right? Yeah, year two. Um, and and I, I mean, it's been great. I mean, I, I think we're we're hitting our marks as a program. Uh, you know, Kristen Dowling understands the the conference. Uh, she started her career at Pepperdine. So she understands what what wins at Pepperdine, but also what can win in the league uh, it, within our conference. You know, the proven teams, BYU, Gonzaga, they're, they're proven. So, so there's the blueprint that's already there. Um, and then I think we got some fresh blood with you know, new coaches, uh, you know, in Santa Clara and Portland and, and obviously us. So, you know, in terms of our building out our vision, uh, it, we know it's going to be kind of a three year, three years um, kind of a plan and, and strategy where our first year was really being able to uh, bring in seven players because we were losing eight. Uh, so we inherited an old team, an experienced team, which is good because they make you look good on the court. Um, but it's it, it's a grind. Right. Um, but with that, we didn't want to lose sight on the 21 class. So in a matter of about 10 months, uh, we either signed or got commitments from 10 players. And so for us, that was a huge uh, stabilizer just simply because um, people were believing in our vision. Um, players are developing in-house. Uh, and I think our biggest uh, success was the returners of last year's team they all decided to come back. So in a year that they probably should have transferred in the sense of we weren't the coaches that brought them there, uh, all of them wanted to come back, be part of this process. Uh, and I think, you know, in the long run, uh, we're, we're going to have a nice little run. Yeah, that's awesome. And obviously a testament to the job you and, and your guys' staff are doing because in the age of transfers, that's unheard of, right? On any given year to have nobody leave, but especially with the 
staff turnover like that. That's right. And, and I think that was the thing. I mean, I, I think, you know, between our staff, Anthony Mason and, and Grace Rieker Franco, we have an alum in our Dobo and Sky Barnett, who I, I competed against as a coach, but I love being on the on the same squad now. I mean, I mean, we are we're all on the same page in the sense of the environment we want to create and ultimately that trajectory line that we want players to stay on. Yeah, that's great. Um, okay, talk about the the quarantine period. You got pretty active in terms of producing some content, which was really good. Um, tell us about that. Well, that that just says I'm old, right? Like, <laughs> I'm at the point of my career where I do want to give back. I mean, I, I, I've been so – I'm only speaking for myself. I've been so fortunate – in this game, everything just kind of worked out, not as planned, but just it worked out in terms of kind of moving up the ladder, but then having a reach. And so, you know, I wanted to challenge myself in terms of philosophies and, and just content that I'm absorbing. But at the same time, I wanted to kind of tell the story of my career and, and help um, young coaches. And, and I think we just have more people interested in the coaching profession. Um, and we're not really growing schools, right? So, so there's a high demand to, to, to low spots. And so if I can help with just strategies and just mindset, that's what I was trying to do this, this off season. And I thought it was one of the off seasons that is really unprecedented in our profession, as you know, just, I mean, when is it when male or, or, or coaches on the men's side, can interact with coaches on the women's side. It doesn't really happen outside of maybe your staffs and, and places you've been, but I, I interacted with more coaches on the men's side than I ever have. And I just, I found that like, there is a common thread between all of us. It's, it's, you know, trying to inspire and, and affect change for, for a student athlete. But at the same time, we want to kind of grow as people and grow as coaches. Well, give us a plug. Was it, was it just on zoom or it's on iTunes, right? You can find it for for your the the series of shows and, and oh yeah that, that I mean it's kind of all over it's YouTube um, you know putting it on YouTube but also um, you know we we wanted to create live content as well especially with the um, social unrest that we had this off season as well as we wanted to highlight the coaches who are uh, really making an effort to continue the conversation, but also to hold a dialogue. And I think that's the biggest thing that we have found coming out of this pandemic is uh, we, as coaches, we need to create these platforms and conversations where not only our players, but our coaches, our our, uh, colleagues can have a dialogue of what their life has been, but also how we can move this needle forward. Awesome. So check it out on YouTube. Um, what do we need to type in to, to find yeah, it from the bench, from the bench? There it is. Group awesome. of coaches. <laughs> Love it. Um, all right, Brian, last thing before I let you go, uh, I as well grew up a, a lifelong Laker fan. Give me your favorite Laker role player. No role player. Role player. Yeah. I mean, okay. So, so I kind of have two, but they're kind of alike. So first growing up, it was always, uh, Cooper, Michael Cooper, right? Like yeah. the Cooper loop yeah. and just, him being able to like the, you know, the narrow set shot that he had, (laughs) like how's a dude make it, you know, type of thing. But then it turned into Robert already, you know, during the early 2000s, just simply because I think it was really that same ask, which is, you know, come in, knock down big shots, but also create on the defensive end. And I think, I think it's, it's kind of a philosophical thing for me Um, and, and doing it with a smile like magic did. 
Yeah. Big shot Bob is the correct answer. That's right. Yeah. That. <laughs> well, Brian, I enjoyed talking to you, man. Good luck. I know you guys are are chomping at the bit, getting ready, like hoping to to play your first game. You've had a few postponed and canceled. Yeah. Um, so we wish you the best of luck and and look forward to following along. Thank you much. And and obviously thank you for everything that you guys are doing. I, I think it's a great platform and and really a good conversation that that is really connecting. Uh, the coaches on the men's side and the coaches on the uh, women's side. So I appreciate what you guys are doing. Absolutely. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate you being a part of it. And uh, we'll talk soon. Sounds good. Thank you. What's up, podcast fans? I want to share some information about one of our partners, Lucio Sports. The team at Lucio has built an integrated platform of coaching productivity and player development apps that are being used by some of the best basketball programs around the globe helping everyone from NBA champions to youth development academies. Their innovative and competitive memorization games make it so much easier for new players and staff members to remotely get caught up to speed. With animated playbooks, drill libraries, player development planning and monitoring, engaging game plans and scouting reports, predictive play drawing, their content services team, and more, Lucio Sports has got you covered. From players to coaches to support staff and executives, use Lucio Sports to securely keep everyone in your organization on the same page with simple on-demand access to your team's entire knowledge base. For more information, check out luciosports.com. That's L-U-C-E-O sports.com.